Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. A number of years ago, back in 2015, I wrote about a robbery that had occurred in the Ditmas Park section of Brooklyn. A writer, Chaya Babu, was at the Lark Cafe when a man with a gun came in to rob the place. So what was different about this robbery is that the gunman didn't just hit the register. He stole the laptops of Babu and the rest of the writers who were meeting there. She was there for like a writer's group thing. In a long rumination on the incident, Babu writes that she and her writer friends felt angry and violated, but not in a way that necessarily placed blame on the person who did it. Okay. It seems if they blame anyone, it's themselves for existing and choosing to live in Ditmas Park in the first place. In the weeks following the robbery, she and her friends worked on, quote, finding space to take into consideration the broader social and economic circumstances surrounding the incident and, quote, cultivated our sense of compassion toward the robber, whom we imagined must have been acting out of dire need, LOL, on the dire need of somebody robbing a bunch of laptops from writers at a coffee shop. Babu quotes another writer who was robbed that night as saying, I didn't ultimately think that person posed a threat. I didn't feel afraid of the person. I felt more just afraid of the weapon. I mean, welcome to the bizarro world of gentrification guilt, where the man with the gun pointed at you isn't allowed to be scary, but a weapon with no motive of its own is. And the kicker comes when Babu notes that many of us in the group agreed that in some respects, we identified more with our robber than with the characters we were portrayed to be in media stories about the crime. I took that story very personally because... I grew up in Ditmas Park. I actually grew up there before it was called Ditmas Park because that's an invention by real estate agents to 
exact kind of people that had their laptops stolen. It was a rough area when I grew up there. And I wrote that I loved seeing the neighborhood turn around in the last 15 years at that point. No one made excuses for the criminals when I was a kid. It was a rough area, but it was obvious that crime was bad and everyone said so. When a friend's grandmother had her handbag ripped off her arm at the subway station, when a friend was mugged of his jacket in the middle of winter, or when bicycles were stolen constantly, no one thought much about the thieves' feelings. There were no gentrifiers then. There were no high-rises, no cool restaurants, plenty of victims, in other words, but none suitable to blame for their own victimization. I was reminded of this story and how much it bothered me with the recent story of people on TikTok approvingly sharing a letter purported to be by bin Laden. Now, I don't entirely buy that bin Laden wrote the letter. I remember that letter being released, you know, I think it was November 2001, shortly after the attacks, but it really didn't make a lot of sense to me even then that he wrote it. It was never confirmed by any intelligence agencies. In the letter, he's got the Jew hating down and he hates gay people, of course, but also he was mad that America pulled out of an environmental treaty. Like, I just don't think so. I'm going to have a column about this idiotic trend, but what I want to talk about here is how dangerous it is that self-preservation is sorely missing in these people, much like in the people who had their laptops stolen. They imagine that agreeing with a terrorist and siding against their own country will save them. It won't. History is littered with murdered peace activists and people who hope that the terrorists they support will kill them last. They won't. You know, the word privilege is very overused, but all of these people are so intensely privileged. They get to have their bad ideas, but they also subject us to their bad ideas and the repercussion of those ideas. I talk a lot about stating plainly your values to your children, and now it turns out we have to add, don't support people who will kill you. Don't cover up for people who rob you. These should be basics, but apparently they are not. Don't support Osama bin Laden, friends. Be sure to tell your children. Coming up next, an interview with Jason Rance. Join us after the break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show on the Clan Buck Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Jason Rance. Jason is a Fox News regular, talk show host, and the author of What's Killing America, Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Hi, Jason. So nice to have hey. you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm reading your book right now, and I love it. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about what it's about and what you hope to achieve with it? Yeah, as the title suggests, it's about what I think is destroying our American cities. Uh, as I started to do a lot of my research for my Fox News hits, but also for my radio show, I was looking at other cities, not just Seattle. And I was noticing mm -hmm. the same consequences to the same, in some cases, the exact same policies. And I recognized that while people understood that something was wrong wherever they lived, that they were aware of the crime stories. When they take their kid to a park, they, they recognize that it's overcome with homeless. The drug addiction problem is out of control. And yet, weirdly, at the exact same time, they're spending way more money living in these cities. Mm -hmm. They didn't know the why. They had a, maybe a general sense, but they didn't really know what policies were driving this, what radical beliefs were driving this, and even the who behind who was driving all of these different policies. And in large part, I believe it's because there's coded language that radicals use that make it sound like their policies are really compassionate and really uh, about helping the community when, in fact, they're just ideologically driven positions that are meant to dismantle various systems of oppression. And right. so I wanted to write this book to alert people to what's going on behind the scenes, what's happening right in front of them. And they don't realize it because I don't want to happen to them what's happening in San Francisco, which is folks woke up yeah. mm -hmm. and they recognized that their D.A. was way too far to the left, Chesa Boudin, mm -hmm. so they recalled him. They recognized that their school board directors were way too far to the left, so they recalled them. And these were liberals, right? These were progressives who did. It wasn't conservatives, yeah. like mm -hmm. 12 conservatives who live in San Francisco. But unfortunately, they woke up too late. San Francisco is not going to recover in any meaningful way for at least a decade. And I don't want someone to wake up in their community, wherever it is that they live, and say, mm -hmm. okay, today's the day I start to fight back, only to realize it's too late. 
So it's interesting that you say that people realize it's happening because my experience in Brooklyn and, you know, I, I, a lifelong New Yorker, I moved to Florida almost two years ago. Um, and it was a, you know, a big deal because I never wanted to leave New York. I mean, I've written about it. I've talked about it extensively, but the thing, one of the things that made the move easier and why we knew we had to go was because of how hard it was to convince people that crime was up, that standard yep. of life was lower. Um, I grew up in New York in, you know, the eighties and it was much higher crime then, um, than, you know, even now let's say, but it, even before it got to that point, it was very easy to say to people like, this is crazy. We should not live like this. And everybody would say, yeah, crime is bad. And yeah, maybe they would still elect Democrats. Maybe that was, you know, obviously an error on their part, but the, the step one of facing the problem is something I never saw in like 1980s New York that I see now. Um, summer of 2020, uh, you know, the George Floyd riots, the, my neighbors in Brooklyn all pretended that that was fine and put the defund police signs in their windows. And then as actual regular crime went up, all the comment boards were like, oh, the crime has gotten so bad. And people would say, oh, what are you talking about? And there were so many journalists in the New York Times and they would be on Twitter and they'd say like, oh, I ate my burrito in the park today and it was totally yep. fine. There was no Antifa here. So I wanted to ask you, I guess, what do you see people basing this reality or is this something that we're hoping? Because I, I am still hoping New York wakes up and realizes what the problems are. Well, I mean, it's a combination of all of what you just said. So on the one hand, because crime has gotten so bad or homelessness, drug use, whatever it happens to be, and certainly cost of living has, has risen so mm -hmm. much, you can't really hide from it for too long. And eventually you do experience it. What I've seen here in Seattle, really the Pacific Northwest, for the folks that you're talking about, the ones who just don't want to acknowledge the reality is that they go to their homes and they realize someone broke into it. And then for them, that was the realization, oh, okay, this is happening. Right now, we have a string of incidents where gangs of like four to six teenagers are assaulting and robbing other teenagers as they walk mm -hmm. home from school. And all of a sudden, people are spending a little bit more time recognizing what's going on and they can't really deny it for too much longer. You've got groups of folks, particularly in these deeply blue areas, that on the one hand, you've got the cultists, the ones who will never see what right. is happening because mm -hmm. they believe so truly like it's a cult, what it is they're doing. Then you have the folks, and in a lot of ways, they're equally as dangerous. The folks who recognize what's going on, but they justify it because they think in the short term, there's going to be some collateral damage, there will be some pain. But in the long term, if you only truly subscribe to these views and you go all in, well, then we'll live in this utopian society where we don't need a police force. We don't need <laughs> to have a prison system. It's, mm -hmm. of course, a, a ludicrous Imagine, position. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just anyone who understands history just even a little bit mm -hmm. or just, frankly, Anything. Looks at the data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's clearly not going to happen. So I, I try to dismiss those folks. They're the ones in power right now, but there are so many other folks who are like you and I, who recognize what's going on, or at least starting to come to that realization that need to be convinced. And I just think that, especially when we're talking about these deeply blue areas, you have to understand how the left argues, the language that they use, the, the only police that they like are the word police, and they have control of the language. And they're able mm -hmm. to pursue different policies 
by framing it in very specific ways that manipulate people into thinking that it's the right thing to do. But mm-hmm. if you explain to them what it really meant, what they were really voting for supporting, they would say, oh, wait, no, that doesn't sound like a great idea. And I just think too few people recognize that. And I, I think conservatives are equally guilty of this. Sometimes mm-hmm. we fall for it. But ultimately, we're unwilling to argue from the perspective of a liberal to other liberals, which means we're not going to move them anywhere because we're not talking their language. That's very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think conservatives do a terrible job a lot of the time. And I think that, you know, nobody wants to be called a racist. Nobody wants to be called names, which is, you know, ultimately what happens when you stand up to any of the leftist policies. So what do you suggest people do? What I suggest they do is understand the language first and foremost, understand the way that these arguments are being made. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. Right now, I would blame the drug crisis in large part on something called harm reduction. That hmm. is a strategy that is being used in virtually every single major city, county, and the larger states. It's adopted at the federal level as well. I could even go outside to my neighbors here in woke Seattle, and they wouldn't really be able to define what harm reduction is. But I'll tell you how it was pitched to them. Wouldn't you like to address the drug crisis, address the addicts by mitigating the threats of harm, making sure that they survive throughout the night so that we can get them treatment tomorrow? That's how it was pitched. Mm -hmm. That's not what it actually is. What it actually is, is enabling the drug user to continue to use by handing out clean needles, handing out um, Mm -hmm. fentanyl and meth pipes or booty bumping kits, which is my favorite because I had to explain what this meant to 3 million people on Tucker. So what is it? (laughs) Yeah, a booty bumping kit is a syringe where you remove the needle, you Mm -hmm. fill it with a mixture of water and drugs, it's usually meth, Mm -hmm. and you rectally inject it. Because going that way apparently is a much deeper and quicker high. And I I found out here in, in Seattle and elsewhere, taxpayer dollars are going to purchase these pieces of equipment, the drug paraphernalia, and given to people. They're not putting money into any kind of detox treatment or drug treatment. They're not doing that. They're, they're putting the money into services because they don't want to stigmatize the drug addict. Now, armed with the new knowledge of what harm reduction is and how mm-hmm. it's pursued, well, that changes the way that we're able to talk about this and argue. Because it's hard to argue against something you don't understand is really behind the language that they're using. And there's so many examples of this across the board. So number one is just understanding where they're coming from, understanding the language that they use. And then most importantly, and I think conservatives can fall into this trap too, is complaining without giving an alternative to what actually works. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the good news is sometimes you don't have to be all that innovative. It's really just going back to the way things were. You can maybe make some minor tweaks here and there. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it is being innovative. And so in every single chapter of the book, as I take on each issue chapter by chapter, from crime and homelessness to immigration, education. Here's what actually works. Here's Mm -hmm. what's been done that does work. Here's what doesn't work. Here's why it doesn't work. And here's how to argue it. We're going to take a quick break and be right back on The Carol Markowitz Show. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So what can be done to stop drug deaths? Because I, you know, I fully agree with you. I think that we've, you know, tried some things that don't work and people need to face reality. I look, I, I you know, I've had friends die of drug overdoses. I grew up in, a, you know, Brooklyn and mm-hmm. I have had, I've had loss in my life uh, over, you know, through drug use. Um, and I'd love to just click a magic button and have them live through the night and we get them help tomorrow. That would be fantastic, but that hasn't worked. And so what do we do? Yeah. So it's actually a combination of what the left and the right seem to want to do. You have to have criminal justice as part of it. Policing 100% has to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. You have to approach it the same way, frankly, you would approach homelessness, which is a carrot and stick approach. You're there, you're smoking fentanyl in the middle of a park, you're breaking the law. So -hmm. you have two options here. An officer goes up to you and says, you have two options. Number one, you're going to jail and you're going to detox over the weekend and you are not going to like that detox experience. Or number two, please take us up on this offer. We're going to put you in treatment. We're Mm -hmm. going to offer treatment on demand. And if you want it right now, we will give it to you. It's up to you. We want you to take that pathway. If you don't, we're throwing you in jail. You'll be out the next day. But guess what? I'll be here the next day. Mm -hmm. So will you smoking fentanyl again. And I'm going to give you the same options again. And we're going to do it over and over and over again until you're willing to get the help. That's unfortunately the only way for this to work. Mm-hmm. While also, by the way, getting rid of the drug legalization scam. Oregon has legalized drugs. Washington finally walked some of it back, but for the most part, it's still legalized. Mm-hmm. California, a lot of these states just allow it. And you're just creating more victims of addiction. So I think the argument I think people would say is, do we have the funding for this? Do we have the resources for this? What do you, how do you answer that? We do have the funding. I mean, look at the amount of money that are being spent on just subsidized housing for homeless addicts who do not ever get the treatment because mm-hmm. it's not a condition of the subsidized housing. Would we need it's to crazy. spend as much money on them if we actually got them the treatment so that they can get on the right path and then ultimately be self-sustainable, right? Get a job, be able to pay their own rent. So you're cutting down the cost dramatically once you realize that we're hanging on to people, we're paying people to stay in homes for the rest of their lives rather Mm -hmm. than getting them into the system maybe for six months to a year, maybe even two years. But you're not going to do it for decades. That's a lot of savings. And we're just choosing not to put the money into the detox services, the drug treatments, resources that desperately need to be funded. Right. So your book is, I mean, it sounds very middle of the road. You're not saying like, oh, you know, arrest all the drug addicts. And, you know, it just, it seems very, dare I say, moderate. Um, 
Have you had any success in talking to anybody on the left about the book? Have CNN had you on, MSNBC, any of those? Well, let's not go crazy there. I know, I know. <laughs> no, of course, CNN will never have me on. Theoretical MSNBC question will never. Here, but yeah. It, it is, I, I do find it frustrating. Anyone who's a conservative author realizes that the only support they get is from conservative media. And that's mm -hmm. an unfortunate reality. But the good news is, especially for those of us who live in, in areas where they're either ideologically diverse or we're the minorities, mm -hmm. we are surrounded by people who are our friends and family members and coworkers who are liberal. And I truly don't think that they support the extremes within their party. I mean, the subtitle of this book is intentional. I talk about the radical left. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about the left. I'm talking about the radicals within the left. And so I do think that it's on all of us to make sure that the information, whether it's my book or anyone else's, mm -hmm. get in front of these folks and get them to just at least give it a shot and just say, hey, read one chapter. It's on you. If you don't like the book, give it back. I'll give it to someone else. But right. I, I do think that the more we do that and spread the word and we're the ones who they trust, they may mm -hmm. disagree with us politically most of the time, but at least they'll give us the respect of hearing us out. That's why they're our friends and family members. Mm -hmm. We got to get in front of them. And when we get in front of them, we'll start to see some more wins. And ultimately, that, that then they become an evangelist for an idea and they connect with their own liberal friends. That's very optimistic. I mean, I'm an optimist. I am. Um, but I... You know, I, I wrote, uh, co-authored Stolen Youth, my friend Bethany Mandel, and it was about how woke, wokeness and woke culture destroys children. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of friends and family tell me how concerned they were about wokeness at their kids' school, and they would send me examples about how woke nonsense was taking over and all of that. But then they continue to vote and support all the policies and all the people that really still continue to push this stuff. So I... I get it. I'm with you. I think we do move people over slowly and um, we have the conversations, we have the arguments, we have the discussions, but do you get frustrated by, you know, them continuing to do what they're doing, which causes the problems in the first place? Yeah. I mean, my frustration is the reason why I wrote this particular book in the way that I, mm -hmm. I did. I, when, when I talk to people individually and I explain to them what harm reduction is or what housing first is or restorative justice, well, they start to see things a little bit differently, but they, I, I honestly do not believe they understand because they, they rely on local media. And when you are in a deeply blue or frankly, a deeply red state or, or city or county, the media is incentivized never to push back against the party in power because the second that they do, they will lose access. They'll mm -hmm. no longer get those interviews. They'll no longer get called on at a press conference. And then they're going to go have to go back to their boss their editor and say, here's why I'm not getting called on ever. Right. Well, you're not able to do your job at that point. And so mm -hmm. you're not going to get the connecting of the dots. And uh, th this is something so frustrating here in Washington state. So we get the transactional stories of, of crimes, right? Here's yeah. what happened. Here's where it happened, when it happened. And we've had a surge of not just stolen vehicles, almost 71 a day on average Oof. in King and wow. Pierce counties. Mm -hmm. And that's actually slightly down from the month before of 86. But those cars are being driven into storefronts. People are getting out, stealing what they can. Then they escape in a stolen vehicle. And I've spoken to chiefs of police and I've spoken to sheriffs who say they think cops just don't want to pursue these cases and don't want to chase these people. They don't realize that two years ago, Washington Democrats in the legislature changed the law banning mm -hmm. vehicular pursuits 
of suspects. At first, mm-hmm. it was almost pretty much all suspects. Then they finally changed it so if it was a violent felony, you can go ahead and chase. But that was never the issue. When the mm-hmm. bad guys realized that they can steal a car and not even have to speed away from the Unbelievable. cop, mm-hmm. well, guess what they did? That's precisely what they did, right? And right. do you think that's told in any of the local stories? Do you think at the bottom of the story it says, and by the way, this is a result of a policy mm-hmm. that was passed mm-hmm. two years ago? No, of course not. And right. so people don't even understand that that's going on. You and I, we spend all day consuming news. That mm-hmm. is our jobs, right? We study this stuff. We're aware of the... We're nerds. We'll watch Sucks. and read some of it. Yeah, it, it, you know, we know the policies and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the average person, they've got their own lives, jobs, right. kids. It's just mm-hmm. really hard to, to keep up with all of this stuff. And so I don't blame them. I blame the local media. And I, I, I'm a member of the local media, obviously, but I'm mm-hmm. not reliant on my access to some right. lawmaker. Like, I don't care if I ever interview any Democrat lawmaker. I, that, that's not what I do. I'll, yeah. I'll take the interview. Uh, sure. But I don't need it. So mm-hmm. I, I'm able to put that stuff out there without fear that they're going to, you know, blacklist me. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but but others are. And that's me. That means they're not getting all the information that they need. So I, yeah. I take it upon me to make sure that I, I'm doing at least my part in getting that information out there. Yeah. A question that I ask all of my guests, and I think it, you know, you probably answered a lot of this already, but what do you think is our largest cultural or societal problem in America? And is it solvable? I think narcissism is Hmm. the biggest problem that's facing our society. It it is. I thought you were going to say crime. I I know you did, Mm -hmm. but here's, it's all connected to narcissism. Mm -hmm. Narcissism is behind a lot of what the radicals belief, right? This, this belief in themselves, that they know better than everybody else, that their viewpoint and feelings are factual, that there's no one who can dispute anything that they say or do or believe. And I think that that level of narcissism, which has been especially potent amongst a younger generation, and frankly, Mm -hmm. our generation, you and I think are, are the same age, our age and younger have been incredibly narcissistic. And no one has said anything to them this entire time. And so mm-hmm. they've become emboldened and they ended up organizing. And they're the ones who are bullying people who disagree with them, mm-hmm. calling them names, shout their will. Right. And when you have those kinds of people in power, they end up passing a bunch of policies that lead to rises in crime, more illegal immigration, an education system that's completely out of control. And so I would say if we address the narcissism problem in this country Mm. amongst a certain generation of folks, we would probably see a lot better results. That's so interesting. Thank you. I really like I I like having an answer like that for me to think about. So how's the book doing? Are we moving towards change? I mean, we're we're slowly moving towards change. Again, it's I'm I'm completely reliant on conservative media, so I always Mm -hmm. uh, I especially love everyone who uh, allows me to talk a little bit about the book, and then really just conservatives stepping up and and supporting this book, supporting your book, supporting the authors who are Mm -hmm. trying to make a difference. And we've seen good results so far. Um, I'm I'm happy with the direction that the book is going, but I'm I'm always the person who wants to sell way more and do way better than I am. So uh, mm-hmm. I always encourage people to go out and get the book. Uh, it's on sale right now on Amazon and walmart.com. So go ahead and buy it. Awesome. So do you feel like you've made it? Like you're a, you know, you're a talk show host, you're on TV all the time. You have a, a great book. Are you there? I never feel like I make it. I mm-hmm. perpetually have a chip on my shoulder, which 
uh, emotionally and mentally, probably deeply unhealthy, but also <laughs> is a, a driving force behind the work mm -hmm. that I do. So I'm I'm a workaholic. I'm married to my work right now. Uh, during COVID, I sort of stepped back and said, okay, I'm going to just commit to my career. And that's mm -hmm. when I saw all the growth that I saw. I got the book deal. I'm on Fox all the time. I've got a successful radio show and podcast. But I always want more, and I never want to be last to a story or second to a story. So I'm uh, constantly pushing myself to do a lot more, which makes me incredibly uh, difficult to be around at times. But uh, that, is, that is the life that I've chosen for That's now. That's right. I love that. So end with a tip for our listeners on how they can improve their lives. You can, I'm going to sound like old man rants here for a moment, <laughs> specifically for the younger generation and some adults who take this mm -hmm. position. Get your ass to the office, get to work, actually do your job. Stop with this work-life balance where you want more of the life part than the work part, because that's not balance at all. We started about a decade or so ago really leaning into the work-life balance conversation. And while I certainly don't wish to go back for everyone, I, I don't want we to go back to a place where you're working 14 hours a day, you're getting home, eating dinner, going to bed, and then working the next day. Like, that's mm -hmm. not the position. I mean, I'm doing that, but I don't want everybody right. to do it because it doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> not us crazy people, right? But, but I, I, I'm so sick and tired of the folks mm -hmm. who constantly demand more money, more perks, less responsibility, less hours, always asking for something, just work. And when you work and you're actually good at what you do and working gets you to a place where you're good at what you're doing, you will start to see success. So stop complaining all the time, put your head down, do the work, and you'll start to see some successes and be okay to make mistakes along the way. Because we, I mean, I don't make mistakes because I'm perfect, sure, right. but everybody else, <laughs> you know, make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's okay to make mistakes. Thank you so much, Jason. That was perfect. Jason Rance, the book is called What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Buy it anywhere you get your books. Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.